here's my prediction now. How does this tie into the marketing agency world? Well, so I went to our team immediately. As soon as I saw this, I went to our team immediately and I said, go learn being ads right now. Because we've, we've tried being ads before. It's just so underwhelming. It's just like, whatever, we just use Google, right? So I said, you need to go learn being ads now because as soon as this opens, they're going to take market share. And when they take market share, ads are going to be cheap there. They're going to be crazy cheap there because you're going to have a big volume of people and not enough people running ads yet. So the competition is going to be lower and you're going to be able to get an arbitrage just like when Facebook first came out, just like when TikTok first came out with that. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Eight Figure Agency Show, where a successful entrepreneur and a soon-to-be successful entrepreneur help you build an eight-figure agency by documenting our successes and our failures. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really excited because we've got something new for you today. Today, we are going to be covering three really hot topics that are going to radically not only change and affect your position as a marketing agency owner in 2023, but are also really hot topics that I think a lot of people need to hear about. Some of those topics are going to be an Uber cheating story, so something really interesting coming up there, Google versus Bing ads, and the last one, and this is going to be really interesting for you agency owners out there, the company called WPP and Ogilvy. You may have heard of them, but I will get to explaining exactly what they are and what they do and how it changes everything in the marketing world. Yeah, so let's jump into the first one, the Uber is cheating. So um, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll just explain a little story first, a background story that happened to me. So I ordered some food on Uber Eats. So most places have like Uber Eats or some kind of food delivery. And in, in where I live, there's like 100 different options of different companies you can use. Some cities, there's one option. In some parts of the world, they don't have these delivery services. And so anyways, where I live, I got this food delivered to my house. I open up the bag, Derek, and I look in the bag and there's a big fat note in there for me from the restaurant and they stapled the bag close, like very, very securely. And so I open it and I pull out the note and here's what the note says. The note says, dear customer, dear Gary, we do not like using Uber Eats. We do not authorize Uber Eats to deliver our food. But what they do is they loaded our menu on Uber Eats and then they come in and they order on your behalf and then they pick up the food whether we like it or not. We do not recommend that you use these third parties. We recommend that you order directly through us and and the food is better at our restaurant. And I was like, what? My mind was absolutely blown when I read this. And then I started doing some research and I realized Uber has been getting sued by some of these restaurants. And the reason that the restaurants don't like these ride services is because they keep a huge percentage of it. In some cases, 30 to 50%. And you can't survive as a restaurant like that. So a lot of restaurants are just like, no, we don't want to do it. Especially the smaller ones that, that don't have leverage with Uber to like negotiate prices. And so what I, I actually posted a TikTok about this recently. And it, did, it got a lot of views. I think it got 30,000, 40,000 views on it. And there's a lot of angry people in the comments saying... Gary, are you are you you're lying? You're making this up. This isn't really going on. Um, but I've I've seen it firsthand. So and there's some people in the comments that are like, no, this is true. You know, I've I've seen it too. Blah 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 blah. The 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 reason that I think that this is a really juicy conversation to talk about. Number one, it there are new ways to market your business, right? There's tons of different ways mm. to market your business. Adding Uber to deliver your food might be one way to market your business and might be a vertical or an opportunity to reach new people. 
But on the flip side of it, you also have to count the cost of what it takes to use these new marketing services. If it's going to take half of your money, then it's probably not a great marketing service. Groupon would be another another topic like this. For a lot of people, Groupon just didn't work. It was a cool idea, but it didn't work. And so I I really see this as a way to look at if you have a marketing agency or a business of some sort, you have to look at all the different avenues that you can take advantage of. But you also have to look at the downside of it and really consider the cost before you jump into it. Yeah, this sounds like something we talked about previously, growth hacks, all about growth hacking. It sounds like these restaurants are growth hacking. But Gary, I'm curious, with that experience, you're telling me that when you got the food, you had a note in your food that the restaurant literally said, hey, thanks for your order, but hey, please order through us next time. Are they offering you their own independent delivery? So they offered me, uh, yeah, they did. They offered me their own independent delivery. And then they also, but they also encouraged me just to eat in in store because some food is not great delivered. I mean, we've all had bad delivery food before, right? They were like, I love this restaurant, but it's trash when it's delivered to me directly, but just because it's not made that way. So you you have these two you have these competing things inside of business right so you have the quality but then you also have the the frictionless experience and you want to make it as frictionless as possible but sometimes you can't deliver on both sometimes there needs to be some friction there to get the quality that you want there's certain restaurants that would be impossible to deliver the food it just wouldn't even work so i have a hot take here right i absolutely hate DoorDash, Uber Eats, and all those delivery services when it comes to the local restaurants. Because Gary, I mean, to your point, not only do they crush their margins, right? But the food is always bad. I mean, you just you just mentioned it. The food is always cold. It's always soggy. Those small restaurants don't have like even, and a lot of people don't know this, but in a restaurant, this is why like you might ask for like an extra to-go container. You might have just taken away all the profit that restaurant yeah. had. So I saw a video on this previously and it blew my mind. If a small restaurant makes like no money, they're already pricing their stuff so cheap to compete with other big giant restaurants that have economies at scale to compete with pricing. So when you're at a local restaurant, you're like, can I have extra napkins? Can I have extra forks? Can I have extra dipping sauce? Can I have extra extra you know, to-go container because my baby's going to spill the food, you might have literally just made that restaurant go negative on the sale, yeah. depending on the total order of the food, yeah. right? Let alone if the restaurant's delivering with Uber Eats and you're asking for that extra stuff, they might be losing a ton of money because Uber Eats or whoever else, DoorDash is taking 20 to 40% of the margin. Now, this is a kicker. The food's always bad. The only time, and this is my hot take, that I would be using DoorDash is if I was too lazy, which is usually never, to go to fast food. Fast food is the only place where it's like, okay, you want McDonald's, Wendy's, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A? That makes sense because they, they have the resources. They package it to keep the food warm. But anything else, just go to the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Pick it up yourself or eat there. Well, and think, it's better and cheaper. I think the big lesson here too is that you have to know your margins and you have to control mm. your profitability at your, at your company. Mm. And yes, there are ways that you can grow, but it might not be advantageous to grow that way. And you know, one thing I will say, and the key lesson for anybody listening, the real lesson here is growth hacking, right? The restaurants, even though they're doing this, they might lose, like Gary, yours is a perfect example. They might have lost money on that sale, bringing the food to you. But now they have the potential to bring you and your family into the restaurant. Like say they even put like a 10% discount code said, hey, come into the store by this time. We'll give you 10% off. They could literally be doubling their profit well, doing well, that. Like, yeah, and I'll say this. What they did, you just made me realize this. What they did a really good job of is they made Uber the bad guy and made themselves the good guy and made them it made me instantly want to support them and not do it through uber again so you can actually use uber eats and then put notes in there and and because uber's so big they're not going to ever notice and you can literally say hey it was great that you went to uber eats recommend that you go through this way next time 
And then now you can Love keep it. the whole margin and use Uber at the front end and as a, as a lead generation tool, lose money, and then bring them in-house. Crazy. It's honestly genius. And I will say this before we move on to the next topic. A lot of people don't know this, but if you are ordering on DoorDash, Uber Eats, or any of those platforms, you're actually paying more money than oh, you would 100%. be at the restaurant. It's wild. So what they do, what they do is on their apps, they actually jack up the prices of the menu, even for things like McDonald's, Wendy's, all your local restaurants. If the you know, burritos five dollars, they're charging you six twenty-five. So they're not only making money on the food, right? They're charging you more for the food and charging you service delivery fees and charging you a tip for the driver and paying making you pay the driver. You're paying way more than if you would have just went to the restaurant. They don't tell you. So that. I have a funny story on this. So I recently had a family member, we were we were sitting there and he was going through and he was ordering at Chipotle. And he's like, dude, it's so expensive now. And I was like, those prices don't look right, bro. Like they just don't look right. And he's all, yeah, no, they, they are. This is how much they were. And I was like, dude, screen, screenshot that and send it to me. I drove to Chipotle because I was planning on going there anyways. And so I, I drove to Chipotle, took a picture of the prices on the thing. And it was like $8 for a burrito versus like $15 for the same burrito. It was like huge price differences. The price differences are huge. Listen, we got to respect the companies because they found an opportunity to, you know, not only on the restaurant side to growth hack it, but listen, DoorDash and Uber Eats, they're capitalizing on, on convenience, yep. right? And we can't blame them for it. But Gary, speaking of convenience and speaking of capitalizing and speaking of innovation, Google versus Bing, what's happening? Yeah. So have you got into the um, new Bing uh, search engine? I have not. Okay. So I haven't yet either, but I have some friends that have, and they were showing me around on the back end of it, and it's absolutely insane. It's a million times better than Google, like a million times better. So let me tell you the story, okay? And then I'm going to tie this into how Google and Microsoft are going to battle out for mar market share, and I think Microsoft's going to win unless something radical happens, which is a hot take because <laughs> Google's like miles and miles ahead, okay? So here's what happened. Friend of mine went on to like old school Google and they said, okay, I want to go on a trip and I want to go to Florida and I want to do a cruise and then I want a hotel and the hotel that I want, I want to be able to have a rewards and I want to have this amenity and I want it to be this close to the beach and this close to the cruise, blah, blah, blah. Took him about three hours to do all this homework, right? And he, and he, in that three hours, he came down to three hotels and found the, the ones that he wanted. And then he got access to the new Bing search engine, and he and with with that has the Chat GPT added into it, right? But but more from a search engine style, and so he went in and he said, "I want a hotel that has these things." And within a couple minutes, it gave him the same three hotels that he picked. What? Mm -hmm. Okay, so then, so then you go in, and so now you have the search engine that's able to solve complex layered problems with multiple factors that Google just can't do. Like it can't, but ChatGPT can. So then someone yesterday sent me a screenshot of the new search engine and how you can use ChatGPT inside of it. And it said, okay, write your content here. What format do you want it in? Do you want it in an email format? Do you want it in a blog format? Do you want it in a social format? Do you want it in a DM format? So you can, you can say, I want it in a professional tone, a casual tone, enthusiastic tone, informational, funny. I want it in a paragraph form, email, blog, ideas. I want it short, medium, long. And then it will generate you a draft for whatever you want. And it's, it's chat GBT 
but it's on steroids and and you it, it'll compose it'll do research it'll do whatever you want it to do and it's it's absolutely so powerful and it's going to blow like it's going to blow google out of the water so here's my prediction now how does this tie into the marketing agency world well so i went to our team immediately as soon as i saw this i went to our team immediately and i said go learn being ads right now because we've, we've tried being ads before it's just so underwhelming it's just like whatever we just use google right so I said, you need to go learn Bing ads now because as soon as this opens, they're going to take market share. And when they take market share, ads are going to be cheap there. They're going to be crazy cheap there because you're going to have a big volume of people and not enough people running ads yet. So the competition is going to be lower and you're going to be able to get an arbitrage just like when Facebook first came out, just like when TikTok first came out with ads, just like with everybody else. So I said, go learn those now because there's going to be an arbitrage there. And, and they're, they're already working on it. And I really believe that there's going to be an opportunity. There's going to be like a six month to a year window where Bing ads are just going to be the place to be to generate leads, to generate opportunities and things like that, because they're going for the first time, someone's going to start grabbing market share from Google as a search engine. This just blew my absolute, like my mind completely. That's, that's brilliant. That's so genius. I, I, I didn't even see that before. This is where experience comes into play, man. That That's that's probably exactly what's going to happen. You're going to see all these YouTube videos popping up from these gurus saying, I made $10,000 a month running Bing ads for local chiropractors. I bet that that's going to start happening. Big Bing ads has a similar platform like Google, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just paid search, ads. Yeah. paperclip. Yeah, it's just it's the same thing. It's just search engine ads. So every every search engine has an ads function. That's how that's how they operate, right? Or almost all of them. And But the problem is, is that the volume of searchers is so low because Google owns... 80, 90% of the search engine traffic. But if that, and then the other five, you know, 10 or 20%, I don't know what it is. I haven't looked at it in a while, but all the the rest is split up amongst a bunch of smaller search engines. But if that starts to shift and we get into more of like a 70, 30 or a 60, 40 split and Bing starts to grab that, that's going to give you an arbitrage. And there's always, everybody's always late to the party. Um, because people just don't know what they don't know, right? They're not thinking through it. And that creates an opportunity from a marketing agency standpoint. That's honestly so exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm really keen to see how this plays out. I don't know if I can take advantage of that in any way, maybe, maybe offer some new services, but that is so interesting. So interesting. Yep. Super exciting. So let's move on to the next topic. So what is this WPP thing? I, I'm really interested in it. Yeah. So the other day I was thinking, I was having a chat. I was like, okay, how do you grow a marketing agency to the level of even where you're at, like 20 million, but how do you get somewhere where you're doing 10 million a month, you know, 20 million a month, right? Building nine, 10 figure marketing agencies. Like I was like, is that even possible? Or is the marketing agency world just a bunch of small to medium sized businesses, you know, the capping out at about 30 million a year for the really big ones, right? Or can you get bigger than that? That's when this TikTok came up and was like, have you heard of WPP? So WPP, for those of you who don't know, is a massive holding company. And it's a massive holding company that owns some of the biggest marketing agency and public relations companies in the world. So first scale, I have some stats here for you guys regarding revenue in 2022 for WPP and how much that entire holding company produced from holding. All they do is they own marketing agencies all around the world. That's literally all they do. Some of the biggest. Ready for this, guys? $14.4 billion, with a B billion dollars in annual revenue in 2022. So when I saw this, I was instantly just shocked because I was here 
small mindset, smaller agency owner, like, is the marketing agency world just a bunch of 30 to 100K a month companies? No. WPP literally buys up marketing agencies, and it did $14.4 billion last year in 2022. And all they do is own marketing agencies. Gary, what's your take on this? And and have you, did you, I mean, I'm sure you knew this already, but what's your take? I, I mean, I've never heard of this company before, but it doesn't surprise me. There's tons of big marketing companies out there, and you can grow a really big marketing agency. It's just really on providing results, right? Like what, whatever and whatever your service that you're providing. And if you figure out how to crack that code it, for for someone out there, a certain group of people, you can grow like a massive agency and you can get really, really big. Now, I will say this. Marketing agencies are one of the easiest businesses to start. But anytime something's easy to start, usually that means it's difficult to scale. And there's there's other companies like SaaS companies, which are hard to start, right? A SaaS company is really hard to start. Why? Because you have to come up with an idea that people want to use on a daily basis before they even know that they want to use it. And then you have to know how to code it and how to build it, right? Before they even know how to that they want to use it again. And so if you can do that, if you have that skill set that, okay, I can see that they have this need, I'm going to build this and then I'm going to deliver it to them and I can actually make it a tangible thing. That's a hard skill that you have. And you can, and, and if you can do that, it's much easier to scale a SaaS company because you don't need as much labor. Marketing is labor intensive. Now, I think this is going to change though, Derek, because now with AI, for the first time, I think that we're really going to have opportunities to scale things without a ton of human labor in it. We've never, we've always talked about marketing automation. Everybody has, but there isn't, nobody's really done it well. Nobody's done marketing automation well. And so it's always taken a ton of humans, but we're starting to see more and more marketing automation. And I actually sent you a vi video recently of Alex Hermosi sitting there. And I was yep. like, bro, this is AI. This was created with AI. Like they took an older video and either created a brand new video out of it or edited the words that he was saying because it his mouth it did just didn't look normal and his voice didn't sound quite normal. And and then I started reading through the comments and other people were like, "Bro, this is AI. This is AI." And so th there's AI starting to creep into things that are going to remove some of that manpower to be able to help with the scalability of these agencies. And you know, that's really interesting that you went there, Gabe, because I want to take it a step back and, and kind of give more perspective on what WPP figured it out. What, and the guy's name is Martin Sorrell, and he's the founder of, of the company of WPP. He realized exactly what a lot of marketing agency owners realize, exactly that. They're really hard to scale, but they're really quick and easy to start. And they're quick enough and easy enough to start that when you're good, you can quickly get to seven, eight figures you know, a year yeah. in revenue. But what he realized is to get to the B, you know, the billion-dollar club, he said, let me go round up money, investors and banks and loans, take some of my capital and buy up the other marketing companies. So instead of scaling each one individually, he just went and said, hey, for you, for example, let me go buy the top three dental marketing agencies. And instead of building his own, maybe making a few million dollars a year, he bought the one doing 20 million, he bought the one doing 10 million, and he bought the one doing 3 million. And what does he have now? $33 million a year dental marketing company, and he merged them all together into one thing. Clearly, sounds they were like all a, winning for a reason. Sounds like an operational nightmare. <laughs> trying to Oh, I, 
Absolutely. But Gary, it's a $14.4 billion no, no, I'm not, operation. I'm not knocking so that. I'm just like in my head, if you were like, Gary, you're in charge of uh, making these all work together, I'd be like, bro, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. No, no shot. It's crazy. But listen, it works. And it's honestly genius. I mean, it goes back to arbitrage, right? Martin realized, Mr. Sorrell realized, hey, I can't scale them to the level of, like you. I'm going to go out and say it. I think it's impossible to scale a marketing agency to a billion dollars from scratch without acquisition. I think the only ones that make it to the billion-dollar club, they need to be acquiring other companies along the way. I mean, I really think it's the only way I, because the market, it doesn't make sense. If you're in a niche market and you're competing, there just isn't enough of a total addressable market where, say, it's a 50-50 split. You know, Say there's two dental marketing agencies. You have 50%. The other one is 50%, yeah, I don't, and you I don't literally can't grow anymore. I don't think we get to a billion anymore. as a marketing agency in the dental space. Now, our goal is eventually to get to a billion-dollar valuation. Not billion dollars in revenue, billion dollar revenue uh, um, valuation, which would be like a hundred million dollars in MRR. Um, and how we we're going to do that is marketing plus other services, so events and SaaS. But that's different, right? That's not the same ball game. Now, I I think like I think Gary V is in is probably his company's probably in the billion dollar valuation, I would guess. But he deals with big companies that pay him a lot of money to make ads and things like that. So I, I, I would disagree with you. I would say that you can get into the billion-dollar valuation, maybe not billion-dollar revenue, but billion-dollar valuation, which are two different things. See, I was thinking, I was definitely thinking billion-dollar revenue. I think like Gary Vee's agency is the perfect example. Like VaynerMedia, that's like the top of the top of the top. But I will tell you this, and this is a little secret for those of you still watching. If you actually go deep on the internet and you actually do research on VaynerMedia, they have a lot of really bad reviews. So Gary, I don't know if you've employee, done this. Employee reviews? No, like customer reviews. Yeah, so like I actually did a deep dive and I was like, okay, Gary talks all this big game. I went in and I looked up his company and I just for like three hours, I went deep in the oh, rabbit stop, hole. Stop, the stop. So, okay. I don't want to go any further on this. This is a whole separate topic. We need to make a whole po- <laughs> uh, episode about this. This is really good. <laughs> Maybe we yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, then you guys going to have to tune in on another episode on going into it. And uh, you guys are going to have to tune in on the next one, I guess. If you guys enjoyed this episode and this new little bit of a structure, then definitely consider dropping us a like, letting us know your thoughts about it in the comment. We have been growing and really, really excited to keep growing here. So if you guys do enjoy the show, leave us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that being said, guys, thanks so much for watching and listening. Until next time. Peace. Peace.